Hello, this is Annie McLaughlin for Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and supported and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. Two stories for you today. The gender wage gap. Did you know that there is a massive $300 difference in the average pay packet between Australian women and men? We talked to Jed Carney, president of the ACTU, to find out why is it important to tackle this issue. But first, let's go to the cricket, more particularly the ICC World Cup cricket. Now, over the last few months, Stick Together has been looking at work visas, how the federal government is introducing a series of different type of working visas to deal with what it calls skill shortfalls. We particularly reported on one that was being discussed at Christmas 2014. It's called the Short Stay Activity Visa or Visa 400. We found out that it was large resource companies supporting the idea to reduce their compliance responsibilities when they wanted to bring in executives from overseas, for example. What has this got to do with cricket, you ask? Well, like with all policies... There was a spin-off. For the first time in history, the cricket you are seeing on your TV screens is not being shot by Australian technicians. You guessed it, the majority of the workforce is from overseas, here on short-stay activity visas. I spoke to Sue Marriott, elected Vice President of the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, MEAA, Victorian branch, to explain... No, so they've been brought in on these uh, a 400 uh, visa as opposed to a 420 visa, which was something that the MEAA had already negotiated, the Temporary Work Entertainment Visa. Can you explain the difference between this Temporary Work Entertainment Visa and the other one, which is the Short Stay Activity Visa? It might exactly. all seem a bit much to uh, people out there, but it's very important to this industry, isn't it? Absolutely. The 420 Entertainment Visa came into effect years ago and it's used for when overseas actors come here to work in film and television productions, when crew come into work and also when journalists and others come into work uh, for various reasons. Those type of visas, the entertainment visas, are always discussed with the Minister for Immigration, his department, and there are very clear regulations outlining how those visas are used. And one of the most important things about the entertainment visa is that 
employer that's bringing anyone over from, from overseas to work in Australia has to prove that the employment of that overseas person provides net employment benefits for Australians. In other words, it has to lead to substantial numbers of Australians being employed. So that's the first thing. The entertainment visa also provides for background checks, you know, for things like criminal record, all of that sort of stuff. And it also provides that the people working in Australia who are brought from overseas receive at least Australian rates of pay. Now, you can see immediately what the issue is. The other, the short stay activity temporary work visa, provides for none of that. So it doesn't provide that Australians have to be employed. It doesn't provide any background safety checks in terms of criminal activities, etc. And it certainly doesn't provide that the people that are being brought in are going to be paid on on Australian um, fair work wages basis. It's a slight to the MEAA because these were negotiated arrangements and generally speaking, 420 visas require consultation with the MEAA. It would be appearing that they want to cut the union out. Yes, yes, that, that's a, a very important point. Um, but we're sort of less, a bit less concerned about that than the fact that this um, the World Cup cricket has always been broadcast usually on Channel 9 in Australia and our uh, broadcast techs and camera operators are recognised as the best worldwide. And we actually, we actually invented the, the stump camera, which uh, was an arcane term, in, if you don't know anything about cricket, but <laughs> we've actually invented some of the technology that, um, that is used in sport, sports broadcasting. So it became very apparent to a lot of our uh, members camera operators, broadcast technicians, engineering technicians, that they weren't being... They would have expected to be offered the jobs that they are usually offered via Channel 9 because Channel 9 used to be the host broadcaster. And this is what has changed this year. The ICC, the International Cricket um, Commission, is running this World Cup and their, their selected uh, broadcaster is a Singapore-based company. So that's the basis on which they're trying to get around the usual system that operates and say that they're bringing in their own crew to uh, broadcast and transmit the World Cup. What I would say is that if they are as skilled and as capable of Australian technicians, then they also should be getting paid the same wages as Australian skilled technicians in that area, and we suspect that they're not. And now this is a way of cutting costs, cutting the union out of the consultation process and bringing in workers under on less than current Australian standards. And, I mean, fairly obviously, any union would be concerned about that, and the MEAA is very concerned about it. It's just not cricket. It is just not cricket. As I've said before, we've got a very high skill base. In fact, you know, recognised, it's not just us bragging about it, but it is recognised worldwide that Australia has the top, the best quality uh, sports um, 
camera operators and broadcast technicians. There's just no question about it. So the fact that they're being sidelined by workers who don't have the same level of skill and experience as they do and paid less than they would normally expect is a major problem because they've all finished work on the Australian Open. All our freelance camera operators are sitting around twiddling their thumbs because they only work from one event to the other. They are not regularly employed, so this is a massive blow to them in terms of their capacity to earn this year. We had we had slightly similar problems with um, the motorcycle uh, GP as well, the Grand Prix, last year, so we're keeping an eye on that. But uh, that was resolved at the time. Even though there are overseas organisations that control these events, nearly always there is a local uh, host broadcaster that obviously employs our people. So, you know, we'll, we'll be continuing to monitor this. But if we don't uh, win this fight, then this is a, a, will be a major concern for our skill base. Now, the other thing, of course, is that uh, the argument has always been for this sort of thing, approach, that uh, globalisation is here and that uh, in actual fact, uh, even down to TPP, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, uh, another free trade agreement which is coming up, that uh, part of those kind of uh, free trade uh, uh, deals is that any uh, government that actually puts in... Uh, Legislation which will curtail the profits of a uh, outside corporation can be sued. Do you think that uh, the lowering of the general salaries for this type of work, which is obviously one of the outcomes of bringing in outside workers at a lower rate, uh, that uh, the danger is that uh, the union won't have any point of negotiation? Um, yes, I, I believe so. But I, I mean, whatever the state, whatever government we have in power, and obviously we've got one at the moment federally that is not necessarily sympathetic to unions or their members, but we have in place and have had for, you know, a couple of hundred years, an arbitration and conciliation system or now called Fair Work Australia. And there is no question that irrespective of free trade agreements, Workers who come to this country have to be paid at least under those federal awards and agreements. There is no argument. That's the law. So whatever government is in place, they cannot undermine those rights of both Australian workers locally. They can't be paid less than the agreement. And you and I know that it happens all the time, and that's why unions are sometimes useful. Um, but also they cannot um, be subverted by companies bringing in workers from overseas. I mean, this has been... It's nothing to do with race or anything like that. It's to do with maintaining a standard of skills and uh, employment wages and conditions, and that's what it's all about. Now, there was another part of the 420 visa which seems relatively important, which is the background checks on the people coming in. This short-term visa doesn't actually have to check to see if there is any criminality amongst uh, any of the technicians that are coming in and that, that apparently you, uh, the MEAA has actually pinpointed several people that have actually got uh, less than salubrious pass. That's right. We've identified at least two, um, two people that have had convictions 
uh, ranging from attempted murder Ooh. to drug charges. So, um, again, whilst not trying to disparage any individual, you're right, that visa class does not provide for any of these checks. Could it be argued that actually it's of no value to Australia to, hold, to host uh, a World Cup cricket if there's actually no genuine return to for Australians, it, technically, uh, in terms of the televising of it? Yes, you could argue that. I mean, you know, there were lots of people there on Saturday enjoying the game, though, so presumably, and I mean, obviously, that does provide employment for our members in terms of the people who work at the MCG, for example, but in terms of the skilled workers involved in the broadcast, there are no benefits for them. I think there's about... I think we, we tried to work it out, but I think there's about 10 Australians in total out of 200 that have come in that are actually going to be employed for the entire period of the World Cup, apart from the lucky 10. So uh, what's the union preparing to do? We've written to the Minister about it. We want a response. We want to have some justification about why these visas are being used. And we want to um, highlight the issue, obviously, to people. We're asking uh, our members and anyone else who's interested from the general public to sign a petition that we have at change.org and also on the MEAA uh, website. Clearly, we want some answers about why this has occurred. And whilst we... Uh, we may not be successful in getting more people employed. We're certain this is the this is phase one of the fight in this area, and clearly there's going to be more of them. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. You are listening to Stick Together the only national radio program devoted to industrial news and social justice issues. We've just been talking to Sue Marriott from the MEAA about the loss of jobs on the coverage of the ICC World Cup cricket due to the introduction of the short-stay activity visas. The latest word on the dispute is that the members of the MEAA have gone to Canberra to talk to the Shadow Minister for Employment and Workplace Relations, Brendan O'Connor. Camera operator Bill Pfeiffer carried the message that no serious attempt was made by Broadcast Solutions or Star TV to hire local crew. Hundreds of local jobs have been lost to foreign workers who have come in on the wrong visas. We are concerned that this creates a precedent that will seriously undermine the local industry. 
Now, moving to the issue of the difference between the average pay packet between Australian women and men, it has been recently shown that the average difference is around $300 in favour of men. Some commentators have argued that it's only because women choose to go into jobs that pay less on average than men. This simplistic view allows employers and government policy to ignore systemic issues in Australian society and economy. Jed Carney, president of the ACTU, makes clear why it is important to close the gap between women and men's average pay. Can you give me a uh, an, an idea of what the government is proposing to do with the uh, Workplace Gender Equality Agency? Well, it's very disappointing because we've had a long and thorough consultation process about what uh, needs to be reported and audited by employers and um, organisations. And just recently, the government has pretty much thrown those recommendations out the window and is taking us back to square one because they've made it not compulsory for organisations to report or to audit or collect data on their non-managerial staff. Uh, Now, this is where they are going to find out most of the information that we need to close the gender pay gap. They need to survey non-managerial women to find out why they're not accessing managerial roles or why they are not uh, working to full capacity or why they are not accessing skills and training that would help them increase their pay levels. Uh, Without this meaningful data, employers cannot identify where the gender pay gap actually exists and take the necessary uh, action to address discrimination and the barriers that many women face. They've also said that they don't need to report on CEO salaries. Uh, You know, we find this quite interesting, uh, but... You know, it's, it's, it's deeply disappointing, I think, uh, that they are really watering down the requirements in the very areas where we need to know uh, what, the, what the data tells us. And the present data is not actually very pleasant, is it? it it's showing 18.8% difference between uh, the genders in terms of average uh, wage packets, and that sort of translates to about $300 a week, which is a significant amount, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, 18.8% as you say, nearly $300 a week difference between the average weekly earnings of Australian men and women. And that's the widest it's been in over 30 years. Uh, ABS started keeping records in 1994. And uh, this is one of the widest gaps in that whole time. We are going backwards. We are not working on solving this problem. And the government needs to stop talking about increasing women's participation, stop talking about ending discrimination, stop talking about uh, cutting down barriers for women and actually start taking action. In fact, all the action this government has taken is reversing that. I mean, cutting funding to skills and training, taking away funding from uh, before and after school care, uh, watering down gender reporting requirements, not actually helping women get access to decent childcare. 
all of these things are contributing to the gender pay gap and none of it is being acted on. In fact, we're seeing it go backwards in many areas. Now, this is quite a complex area, isn't it? Because mm. uh, what we're really talking about is uh, a certain disguising social disadvantage or inequality because of the role that our society quite often believes women should take up in relation to family duties, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, you've got some key things that you're asking for, aren't you, uh, around these issues? Yes, we have... Australian unions have a very large agenda when it comes to improving the lives of working women and uh, allowing them to... or overcoming barriers that stop them working to their full potential. Uh, first of all, we want to boost rather than water down the workplace gender equality reporting legislation so that we can f actually have corporations deal with the issue internally. We need to increase childcare funding. We can't just keep saying that the current funding levels are adequate because they are woefully inadequate. We need to make sure that women are not discriminated against when they return to work and we are fighting very hard for the right to return to work after parental leave to your substantive position, even if you need those hours, your hours reduced. And we need targeted funding to ensure that those areas that are predominantly uh, women, those industries where women predominantly work, like social and community care, uh, are actually able to pay decent wages and improve conditions, because they often are predominantly government-funded areas. So there's a, there's a couple of things that are also uh, being um, asked of people who are you know going out of the workforce to have children and then coming back in. They're expecting that uh, that the Fair Work Amendment Bill proposes to uh, allow employers to ask parents with caring responsibilities. And I also assume people who are carers of older members of family to trade off wages and conditions in return for family-friendly hours. Extraordinary. They are actually arguing that uh, individual flexibility agreements, which people my age will remember work choices and AWAs, and they're pretty much uh, pretty close to that, that employers can say to, well, let's say working women, and, and Erica Betts, the Minister for Industrial Relations, has used this as a prime example of how wonderful these clauses are. I can't believe it, uh, that an employer can say to a woman, look, we know you need to work weekends because you're having trouble getting childcare during the week or you can't afford it. You've got access to childcare on the weekends. We'll allow you to work on the weekends if you trade away your penalty rates or if you, instead of getting cash, getting paid in money, you, access, you accept uh, non-monetary value for the fact that you're working uh, on the weekend. So... Unbelievable that at a time when the gender pay gap has blown out to 18.8%, this government is trying to promote, as a virtuous policy, the ability for employers to cut women's wages because they have caring responsibilities. Extraordinary policy. So, so if we uh, uh, summarise it, what we're saying is that women, are, are on average, are getting less money in their pay packet because, one, they often work in areas uh, dominated by f women that are being paid too little. Correct. We're uh, talking about women uh, who, at a particular age in their life, might be uh, going to have children and have primary responsibility for the caring of the children and therefore their careers suffer? Correct. 
We uh, are talking about uh, people who may be dealing with caring roles and often are women, but not always, but mainly majority are women having to uh, give up their conditions because they are taking primary responsibility for a socially important role. Mm, yes, that's, that is very true. And I think as a society, this is very culturally ingrained that uh, women are the ones who do give up career and give up pay because they have caring responsibilities. Um, because our workforces culturally are still very male-dominated when it comes to accessing career structure and higher pay. Uh, and, you know, as a society, we undervalue those uh, industries, if you like, that are predominantly... or uh, where women predominantly work. And, uh, you know, we really need a game-changer here. We really need to just stop and kick-start this with some massive changes, and that's why the ACTU is pursuing things through the award modernisation process, through our bargaining processes, that we think are those game-changers for women, like the right to return to work to your substantive position without having to beg for it back. Mm. Now, finally... This all comes out in the wash when women get to be older and their superannuation mm. is pathetic and we have a whole group of people who are destined for poverty because they are female. Yes, that's absolutely right. Women are dramatically under-superannuated because of all, all those reasons you talked about before. So we need to make sure that we do something about that and some employers are actually paying a superannuation premium for for their women workers because they recognise that women um, end up with less. Um, we need to make sure that women get paid superannuation or we're going to fight to make sure women get paid superannuation on maternity leave. Uh, there are a whole range of things that we can do to inc improve uh, uh, the retirement incomes of women who, of course, are more likely, much more likely to fall into poverty and even homelessness uh, in retirement. And I think this is something very worrying for society. Thanks very much for explaining to us about the uh, pay inequity issue for women. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's it for today's Stick Together. Thanks to Sue Marriott from the MEAA and Jed Carney from the ACTU for talking to us today. Thanks to you for listening in. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.